listener production. (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay, please, please tell me you were recording. I'm always the one first. Yay! That was your dulcet tone, Adonis. My uh, reputation. Your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't need to say take it away because clearly you already have. <laughs> take it away, my dulcet toned Adonis. Just as I hope you enjoyed that, that little cameo from my Bloody Mary as much as <laughs> I did. Welcome back for another episode of Just the Gist, a weekly ish podcast in which Rosie Waterland and I, Jacob Stanley, give you just the gist of what you need to know about a story we think you'll find interesting enough to share at a dinner party. And look at us recording twice in the one week. Recording twice in a week, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you didn't know is that I snuck a song into the last episode when you weren't around. (laughs) So we had the... You watched the dropout trailer and we were like, oh, we can't use that, we'll just have to cut that later. And that night... I went into the study and Kayla was like, what are you doing? I was like, none of your business. <laughs> and I went in there and I sung a song for Lindsay to splice in while you were watching the trailer. <laughs> Can't wait to hear it. And you it. haven't heard I'm it sure yet. it's it was, lyrical genius. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> it was one of my finer moments. Um, um, so I even just sneak them in when you're not around. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, yeah, we don't really have a lot to say because we only recorded like a day ago. Mm. We've got some breaking news. Some things have happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are we ready? Take it away. <gasps> breaking news. Breaking news. I got the scoop. I see extra, extra. Read all about it. Breaking news. It's coming down the wire. <laughs> Why are you I'm me still like so that? mortified that I burped. Oh. Like, <laughs> you seem really just, oh my god! How many times have I burped on this podcast? Like, I burp like twice an episode. <laughs> You've burped she burps, once in she three sings, years. All the things you don't want <laughs> in an audio experience. Uh, um. So, breaking news. First of all, we need to say Canberra, Canberra, mm, Canberra, our yes. city's capital, our the the gem of the east coast. <laughs> Um, oh, it's not even really on the coast, is it? Not of the even east, close, no. gem of the east, jewel of the nation, jewel of the nation. Uh, we will be in you next week. Yes. Uh, what's the dates? The twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Twenty fifth is sold out. Twenty yes. fourth is a show we added, and there's still some tickets left. So get in there. Selling quickly. Come to our very first show. Mm, because, like I said when I posted about it on Instagram. If we ever screw up the dance number, it's going to be the first time we ever do it. And I highly recommend being there to see it. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you? I mean, the the excitement, the tension of whether or not something goes wrong, what a show. A lot of history has been made in Canberra, but nothing <laughs> quite like this. Nothing quite like this. So, yeah, head to... Um, Oh God, we still we still don't remember the website. Have you got it in front of you? I've got it, yes. yes. Moretalent.com.au slash just the gist. Yeah, go there. Google just the gist live show and I'm sure you'll find it. But yeah, there's still some tickets left to the Canberra show that we added because you demanded it. Mm-hmm. So don't demand it and then don't come. <laughs> okay? You know, do the right thing. You'll enjoy it. You'll we enjoy promise. It. We've got some really good stories to tell. Yeah, we do. We promise. There's also stories. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't let the dancing threat put you um, off. Um and everyone else, yes, there's um still tickets for um available other places. So yeah, but Canberra's next week. So if yeah. you want to get in, get in quick. And um yeah. So breaking news, big one. Prince Andrew settled. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh. Do you know, do you need more context? You seem like Sorry, your brain's I'm, going I'm to, it. what is this about? I'm not sure. I think I'm okay with it. I don't know. Do you know what's happening? That's exactly what happened yeah. in my head just now. <laughs> okay, so he was being sued. By Virginia Giffray, mm-hmm. the girl in the photo, yep. um, who she says she was forced, uh, she was abused, forced to have sex with him like two or three times. Mm-hmm. Um, when she was underage and it was in other countries than her own home country, so that is technically she was trafficked. Mm-hmm. Um, he did that disastrous interview where TV interview where he claimed never having seen her, he couldn't possibly have been dancing with her and sweaty because he can't sweat. <laughs> and then the Daily Mail was like, counterpoint, here's 30,000 photos of you sweating. Yeah. Um, and... So she filed a civil suit against him, not a uh-huh. criminal suit, a civil suit, which basically means he'll have, if found guilty, he'd have to pay her damages. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks ago, his lawyers responded to her suit with like an eight-page rant saying that he wants to go to trial because he wants to prove his innocence and basically saying like, insinuating that she's crazy, like they wanted access to her psychiatrist notes and people have said in the past that she's a nutter and victim-blaming, gaslighting, all of it, um, saying, you know, I, I, it can't be me in that photo because I never go out dressed casually. I'm a royal. And then the Daily Mail was like, here's 5,000 <laughs> photos of you dressed exactly like that out in nightclubs. <laughs> like he just kept like, oh. it, it, he was... He's lying. Yeah. He's lying. Yeah. And someone that entitled and have who's had everything handed to him his entire life and people just acquiescing to him his entire life, I think, did not even consider that he couldn't worm his way out of yeah. it. And so anyway, it's getting closer and closer to, you know, a, a depositions where before a court case you have to sit down and get questioned in detail. Mm. And... um. You know, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee is coming up. There's going to be big celebrations. I think they just didn't want that over. I reckon the Queen put her foot down and said, do do not let this go to trial. You're a skeezy perv. You did it. Yeah. Pay her. It's only going to make it worse. Yeah. So today it was announced that they've reached a settlement, which Virginia Dufresne always said, it's not about money, although it's okay if it is. Like, she deserves money from mm-hmm. him. Um, but mainly she wanted him to admit that she that he had met her and that she was victimised. Mm-hmm. In the statement he released, he didn't admit meeting her, but he did admit she is she is a victim of trafficking. I'm sorry that I she has been further victimised by this case. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically a sorry for everything just short of admission. Right. Um, and apparently she's getting about $16 million. Whoa. <laughs> and a donation to her um, child victim charity. Of a similar amount? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Probably. Is the 16 mil just speculation or? It's that kind of number. It's speculation, but it's been, it was floating around. Everyone in the press had it, which means someone leaked it. Uh-huh. Because that, that's how press kind of works. Yeah, yeah. Like it's someone leaked it. So it's about 
12 million pounds, so which is about $16 million because she's wow. Austra- like she lives in Australia now, uh-huh. so it's in Australian dollars. Um, yeah, she deserves it. And he doesn't have that much money, so they're saying the Queen's probably, his mummy's probably paying it. Yeah, dropping the pond for her. Um, And so now basically he, you know, will just be a private citizen because a few weeks ago she announced that she was stripping him of all his royal titles, mm -hmm. patronages, whatever. Um, So he's just a private disgraced citizen who still gets to live with all the trappings of royal life. Mm. But I'm just glad she's getting 16 million bucks. She deserves it. Good. Yeah. yeah. I'm really happy for her. Yep. For sure. Mm. Is there any chance he's going to face any criminal charges? No. Yeah. No, that's why she was doing a civil trial because there was no, as far as I know, yeah. Right. That was the only way she could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And any whispers of what's going on with Ghislaine? No, she's trying to get her case overturned because... It's come out that a few of the jurors on her jury had been sexually abused as children or just in life and not disclose that. Mm. But it's like in this day and age, I'm sorry, how do you find a jury where not a single person has been abused or assaulted in some way? Like, Mm -hmm. so she's trying to say the jury was biased and, you know. But I I don't know if that'll go through Clutching or not. Clutching its straws. Yeah. Yeah. But she hasn't thrown anyone under the bus yet. Not as yet. She's I think she will absolutely run dry all of her avenues before she starts throwing important people under the bus. Mm-hmm. Anyway. That's the final card she's gonna play. So right. Andrew's like, I mean, completely disgraced, but still just gets to live out his days in castles. Yeah, and, things could be worse for him. I mean they do say, though, that he is Queen Lizzie's favourite son and that Charles can't stand him and is furious about all of this. So when Lizzie dies, he might be a bit effed. Mm. I mean, they're not going to leave him on his ass because they don't do that to royal people, but he'll probably be banished to, like, some crappy cottage in Scotland or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. the way they do it. Yeah. Which will probably still be far more we'll still be opulent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, good. Good for her. Um, and he still is more welcome in the family than Meghan Markle. So, <laughs> <laughs> love those royals and their priorities. Love them. Um, next, <gasps> the Melissa Caddick underbelly. There's oh. ads on TV. Ooh. Okay, so there's like this ad on TV for it and it looks very like underbelly-ish. For those who aren't from Australia, underbelly is like a... Um, a crime show that ev- it's kind of like a uh, American horror story, American crime story. Every mm. season is a different uh, crime criminal mm. that they're focusing on. And so this season's going to be focused on Melissa Caddick. And there is a flash of a scene in the trailer where she's biting down on a leather strap. <gasps> so are they going to show like, oh. show the foot getting cut off or I'm not interested <laughs> or I'm not interested. <laughs> Why is she biting down on a leather strap? <laughs> oh, I can't wait to watch it. And I tell you, Channel 9, if I watch 10 episodes of Underbelly and I get to the last one and I don't see a foot getting cut off, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> so don't get our hopes up with this leather strap nonsense. I want to see it happen. You've been warned, Kerry Packer. 
I mean, her husband is still saying he doesn't think she would ever have taken her own life, so it's either foul play or she cut her foot off. Mm. I think it's... I think she cut her foot off and escaped and she's living on an island and she just left her sex idiot in the wind. Mm -hmm. He's screwed, by the way, um, because I was reading an interview with him. I think he talked to the Daily Mail. I don't know. Um, The house is getting possessed and this past week they've been selling all the cars and he's he loves all the cars and he's like I didn't do anything I didn't know anything like where am I going to live what, what Ferrari am I going to drive this isn't fair and it's like oh you were her sex idiot and she just took off mm. sorry so buddy bad. Just... but then she also had a son that hurts yeah he's still around How old he? I think I'd te- like I think in high school mm. that's tough yeah that's yeah. tough Oh, well. P.S. House was repossessed, not possessed. You made it oh, sound like I it was haunted. Oh, did I say possessed? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it could be the footless ghost. Yeah, that's where my brain went to <laughs> Repossessed, repossessed. Okay, and that was breaking news. Do-do-do-do-do-do. I can't wait for you to see what today's wordle was. Oh, Wordle. No, I'm not doing Wordle anymore because I can't do it. What do you mean? I can't. Everyone's into Wordle and it makes me feel like shit because I cannot. My brain doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. And it's caused some very awkward conversations between Caleb and I because I seriously think since Wordle started, he has been concerned that I am like intellectually deficient in some way. Like, because he, every morning he's like, oh, I got it in two. And I sit there and I'm like, I can't. And like half an hour later, I'm like, can you just tell me? And he's like, because he's Caleb, he's like, no, Rosie. Now what consonants are there and what have, and what vowel? See, what vowel, what could possibly go after that one? And that let it just think it out, Rosie, think it out. And I'm like, just tell me. I cannot, my brain does not work for whatever Wordle needs your brain. Okay. I don't get it. Literally, the one I got, the one I got was moist, just because I think that's <laughs> a funny word. And Caleb said to me, you're not going to like the word, and I looked at the letters and I was like, it's moist, it's moist, I got it, it's moist. I can't do Wordle. I don't get I don't get it. Oh, and everyone's okay. so smug every day. They're like, got it in two, got it in three, and I'm like, got it never. <laughs> that's okay. You're good at all sorts of other things, honey. <laughs> well, I wrote two best-selling books. That's what I said to exactly Caleb. I was like, like I was like, it's not that I'm not good with words. I've written mm. two best-selling books. It's just that I'm not good at words like this. That type of puzzle. I'm yeah. good at constructing a fart joke, not at solving a wordle. Yeah. Doesn't appeal to everyone. I bet you're amazing at it. Well, I love it. I do really love it. But today was just bizarre because the New York Times said they weren't going to change anything about Wordle once they got their hands on mm. it and they paid like at least a million dollars for it. And then as soon guy. as they get it, they start using words like today's was, and I can say this because this is coming out on Friday, Yeah, cork. Have you ever heard of C-A-U-L-K? Cork. cork. What? Who's heard of Cork. Yes, and I... Like Macaulay Culkin. Almost along those lines, yeah. What does that even mean? Like if you're sealing up a gap with silicon or putty or something. But did you have to look that up? It's corking. Well, see, I I put it in as a guess thinking, well, these letters 
potentially and then could just work, maybe but surely see, that's not yeah. a word. It came up in all green. I was shocked, Googled it, and that's how I learned the word cork. See, this is why the thing about Wordle is it's not, it's not a fancy word. It's a regular word. It's about problem solving yes. to get to the word. So if there, if New York Times is now adding in an element of, oh, and you also have to have a super wide vocabulary. You have to speak Latin now. Yeah, I'm extra effed. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, I couldn't even get it when it was chair. <laughs> so I'm not getting cork. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Caleb won't get that. Probably I not. bet you a million dollars next week oh. I'll tell you whether or not Caleb got cork and how much it annoyed him. There'll be a ton of people who won't get that. Yeah. I'm just waiting for it to end up being one of my first guesses, which is always boner or wanky. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the New York Times have it. It's never going to be wanky. Sad story. Sad. I'll keep using it, though. Maybe we should invent a, like, um, juvenile wordle. With just mm. words like moist and wanky <laughs> and penis. <laughs> Nagodi. Nagodi. <laughs> that would actually be a big money maker for us, I think. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to get to the thing? Oh, yeah. What are you telling me? The thing. Oh, yeah. You have no idea what I'm doing this week. No. In an old episode of Full House, mm. Aunt Becky and Uncle Jesse get busted lying on an application to get their twin sons into preschool. Uh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> and it would seem that Laurie Laughlin, the actress who played Aunt Becky, learned nothing from that episode because decades later she would be serving two months in prison for taking part in a scam to cheat both her daughters' way into college. Today I'm giving you just the gist of the 2019 college admission <laughs> scandal. <laughs> And I am not lying. There is an episode of Full House about that. Yes. I saw it on this episode of this cheesy, um, like, true crime show called The Con. And mm. one of the episodes is about this. And they have footage of the episode where Becky and Jesse are like, oh, we kind of embellished, mm, actually outright lied on the application. Oh, wow. Uh-oh. And then, oh, okay, I don't know very much about okay. this at all. In okay. fact, I didn't even know she ended up actually going to prison. Oh, I'm she I'm surprised did. someone of that status faced such they all, consequences. They all got prison time. It's a whole to-do. So, I mean, basically this is a story about the fact that a couple of years ago a bunch of rich, entitled parents were busted, cheating, paying to get their kids into college by mm. dodgy means. Um, and so I figured, like, First, we kind of need to talk about what it's like getting into a U.S. college and what their weird college system is compared to ours. Mm. So I figure we could start by describing the Australian system, which is very different. Mm -hmm. We have in Year 12, you do some exams and you do some assessments. Mm. And based on how well you do in those, you get a score. And then that score is like what gets you into uni. Yeah. So it's all just based on that academic stuff. And so let's say medicine at Sydney Uni, you need to get a score of 99. Mm. Hopefully you got 99 and then you just get straight in. That's mm. it. That's all you need. You need to get the score that that course takes. With the caveat that if you pay for the course upfront in full, then there's a lower yes. entry score. So I was also going to say you can, because in our country, the government pays for you to go to university and then that the money they spent paying for you to go to university comes out of your 
like pay later. Yeah, you pay them back. Once you start earning over like $50,000 a year or something, um, they start docking a bit of your pay every week to pay back your university fees. Um, but if you have rich parents who pay the university up front, your score could be a little lower. So let's say mm. medicine, you need 99. If your parents are rich and willing to pay full fee paying, you might only need 95. Mm. And they also have a system for students who like have gone through some kind of hardship, you get an extra five points. So mm. I remember I got an extra five points because like I grew up in the foster system and and had a, had a really difficult childhood and had missed a lot of school because of that. So I got an extra five points. But then like... There is some dodginess goes on. Like, for example, I remember at the um, fancy boarding school I went to that Mm. I was a ward of the state and then my uncle took me in and sent me to this boarding school. Um, They had a person in Year 12, um, they had like a staff member Mm. who when we were all in Year 12, their one job was to try and get everybody that extra five points. Right. Like they just sat down with everyone and they were just like, how could we... Like, it makes the school look better. Yes, for like, well, it just to if yeah, if you get into better courses, like if you get a higher point, like what back then it was called a UAI. Um, so they'd be like, you know, are your parents divorced? Like, do you have a, a grandpa recently died? Mm. Like, you know, like literally, it was just their job to get everyone this extra five points. So, mm. but I mean, I guess the main point of the Australian system is university is largely. It's just university. Mm. It's you go there to learn the thing you went there. So if you're in medicine, you just go to university and learn medicine. Medicine? medicine? Medi- I thought I said some meninenison. You go to, you just go to uni to learn the thing you got mm. into. That We don't really have people like a college living on campus kind of vibe. We don't mm. have sororities or all that stuff that we've seen in movies of American mm. colleges like here, like a couple of universities here will have colleges because there was a demand from some kids to have a more US-like college experience, but mm. it's not really a thing here. Like here, you go in, you do your work, you go to your classes and you go home. Mm-hmm. Like nobody has like university pride here, like wearing like, I, I don't know anyone who owns like a Sydney University jumper. Like we just don't do that here. We would cringe. Yeah. yeah. It's just not a thing. Um, but college in the U.S. is very different. Mm-hmm. And please bear in mind, U.S. listeners, uh, this is just basically from what we see in movies, this is how we perceive your college to be. So there are a lot of colleges in the U.S. Also, they call them college and not university, which is weird. It is just university. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of colleges in the U.S., but people want to get into the best ones, which are either called Ivy League schools mm-hmm. And then there's some other elite ones like NYU, which isn't an Ivy League school, Mm -hmm. but it's considered like an elite university, Mm -hmm. or USC, the University of Southern California. So basically there are colleges that everyone really wants to go to and people dream of getting into their dream college from when they're young. Mm -hmm. And um, it's the impression I get from US movies is that college is kind of just like boarding school but with alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like you live on campus, you live in a house with a bunch of other students and there's lots of parties. Like going to college is like living in a community for four years. Yeah. Yeah. Typically in the movies, they move in with a stranger. Yeah. When they go there, it's the first time they've lived outside of home. It's almost like an extension of high school, it seems like to me. Yeah. It's four more years of high school, but you go away to live there. Um, 
So, I mean, there's a lot of pride over there in these elite universities. And if you've been to one and get into one, it kind of becomes like your whole life. Like you will proudly tell people forever that you are an alum, alumnus, alumna, yes. alumnus mm. of Harvard or yeah, Yale yeah. or Princeton. Um, and it also just opens a lot of doors. Like there are literally some companies, particularly like investment banks and law firms mm. who will not consider your application unless you've been to an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. So it opened doors and it opens doors in that way. At one point, every judge on the Supreme Court went to either Harvard or Yale. <laughs> like, so yeah. the, it's, it's, it opens doors. It's not mm-hmm. just about getting a better education, which it could be argued it doesn't necessarily give you a better education. There mm. are in all my research on this, there are so many people saying the the US has like thirty five hundred universities. It just so happens that people want to go to these particular ones. Yeah. You can get an education anywhere. Yeah. But they're a status symbol more than anything. Yes, but yeah. they also not just a status symbol, they also do legitimately open doors that yeah. would otherwise be closed mm. to you. Um, So it's all very expensive and it's all extremely competitive. So unlike the Australian system where in your final year of school you do some exams, you do some assessments, you get a mark and you get into your course, that's Mm. it. And it's all judged by numbers, so there's no names attached. It's just like number 10866794. That was my number. I still remember mine. I got this. It's all blind marking and Mm. they just mark you and you get a mark and that's it. It's very different in the U.S. Uh Applying to get into college in the U.S. is like applying to get like a job. Mm -hmm. It's so college admissions officers will review like your test scores Mm -hmm. that you do at the end of your schooling, but they'll also review all your grade point averages from all of high school and often from all of middle school. So Mm -hmm. they'll be like, "Mm, in year nine, science term two, you dipped down to a credit. What's going on there? Like they go back through all of your grades. Mm -hmm. Um, They look at all the classes you took in high school. So they'd be like, well, why didn't you do any sciences? Like, so they look at all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have letters of recommendations from teachers and mentors. People often have recommendations from like, you know, like important judges, like Mm -hmm. Barack Obama. (laughs) I like was listening to this amazing podcast called Gank. Gangster Capitalism, who does Mm. a whole series on this scandal. And they talk to this woman who works in the private school system in New York. And this couple was trying to get their kid into a Catholic uh, primary school and they got a recommendation from the Vatican. (laughs) So, like, it's, yeah, so people, and then, you know, you also have to do interviews with the college and you have to write, like, a personal essay about your life. If you're good at a particular sport, um, they might admit you on that basis. So, you know, you they'd need to see footage of you playing or photos of you playing. Mm. Um, If you want to get in on the basis of being good at music, they'll want to hear you play. Mm. Um, So it's that intense. Like college um, applications take months to put together. Mm. Often people can only really do about five or six of them because it's really expensive and really time-consuming and really hard Mm -hmm. to navigate the system and put together an application that makes you stand out. And a lot of these schools, their acceptance rate is like 5%. So of, of, you know, every... Yeah, Yeah. that's it. So Mm. it's really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And the tests you have to do, it's really different to our major exams at the end of year 12. So they have two tests. 
One is called the SAT and one is called the ACT, and they're mm-hmm. both standardized tests. It's just mm-hmm. two multiple choice tests. You can do one or the other, but it's getting so competitive now that most students do both to show mm-hmm. that they can do both. Um, and it's basically just like they cover English, maths, science questions. Um, the ACT test also has a small essay portion. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing about these tests is you can do it on any day several times a year. So it will be like 1st of May as an SAT test day. Mm-hmm. Like, and then 1st of August is another day you can do it. Um, and you can do it at any point in year 11 and year 12. Oh. So just to like, you go in, you can try as many times as you like to try and get a high score. Mm-hmm. Basically what you want is when you put your SAT and ACT score in your college a- application, you want it to be as high as it can possibly be. Uh-huh. It's I just a multiple choice test. I I can too. I mean, they do say that standardized testing is, you know, problematic oh, yeah. in and of itself, but just the fact that it's like a test you can study for, it's multiple choice and you get you can get as many like the pressure with the Australian system in your HSC is there's one exam at the end and mm. if you fuck it, mm. you're effed. You get one chance to not mm. screw it up, you know. So I think there's like merit to their system because here our final exams are based very much on one kind of intelligence. You and I both did very well because we're good writers and we mm. could just sp- sprout off essays really easily and mm. quickly. And for someone who maybe isn't good at that kind of thing, the HSC would be so hard. Totally, yeah. Um, so over there, imagine having the chance, like here, you didn't do that well in your exams, but your application is amazing because you've done all these extracurricular activities mm. and you've done all these sports and you've done, like, you get to show that you're more of a well-rounded student, yep. I guess. But then also now there's so much pressure on them to just like, there are kids who are doing extracurricular activities until 7 p.m. and then studying till 2 a.m. and then getting up at 6 a.m. and going to play their sport. So I don't know. There's pros and cons to both mm-hmm. systems. Basically, getting into an elite American college is hard as F. But everyone wants to be there. But everyone wants to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some rich, entitled parents didn't want to risk their kids not getting a spot. Uh-huh. Enter Rick Singer. Now, Rick Singer is a man who called himself a college admissions consultant, uh-huh. which sounds ridiculous, but it actually is a massive industry in the US because all this stuff is so hard to navigate. Parents pay people to mm. put, help them put applications together and stuff um, and to, like, tutor their kids in SAT prep so they can practice for the test and all that kind of thing. Um, and rich people pay these people a lot of money. There's an amazing documentary called Operation Varsity Blues and a guy who is a college admissions consultant says you'd be getting – you know, good ones would be getting $1,000, 1500 an hour oh. to help kids get wow. these college admission, like, packages together. Mm. So Rick Singer had gone to a pretty average university himself. It, I think he knocked around to a couple of universities. Um, took him a while to even graduate. He ended up studying PE, like physical education, mm. and he goes on to become a high school basketball coach. Um, He ends up only doing it for about a year. He gets fired because he was way too aggressive and, like, way too competitive Uh with all the kids. Um, But while going through the athletic system at college himself and then kind of working in the high school market in around the athletes there, Mm. 
he realised that there was a gap in the market for him to make money, which is high school kids and their parents desperate to get into a good college. Mm. So he sets up his college admissions consulting business and just calls himself an expert. And initially he's just kind of tutoring kids in mm-hmm. test prep, helping them practice and helping them them and their parents get their applications together. But Rick's a bit of a hustler and mm-hmm. he sees how desperate particularly wealthy parents are to mm-hmm. get their kids into the best schools, not just for their kids but also as a status symbol for themselves. There was this... um crazy lady on the Gangster Capitalism podcast who was like, my son didn't just get into that college. We both got into that college. I'll be wearing the jumper too. Like, so these parents are a bit cuckoo. Yeah. So um, it's not super clear how Rick transitioned from legitimately consulting on helping Mm. put applications together into dodginess. But, like, there's not, like, one day where he was like, I'm going to rig the system. All we know is that at some point he started rigging the system. Uh And here's how he did it. Uh So Rick Singer developed what he called the side door to get into college. And here's how he explains it. So he says there's two ways to get into college. Mm -hmm. There's the front door and the back door. The front door is getting in on your own merit with a fantastic Mm -hmm. application. There's also a lot to be said for that being a classist system. You may get in on your own merit, but you also have rich parents and go to a good school. And so your own merit is nothing a poor kid could ever achieve through no fault of their own. But, But that aside... The front door is you put in an application and you are accepted and you get in. Mm -hmm. The back door is being extremely rich and your parents making a massive donation to the university to let you in, which quite infamously Jared Kushner's parents did to Harvard. They Uh donated like $3 million and he was a really shitty average student and he got into Harvard. That was the early 2000s. A lot of admissions people say now, oh, that's such a quaint number. Like, you don't even get a look in unless it's 10 to 20 now. Mm. So <laughs> literally people's parents are donating 10 15 $20 million to guarantee their kids a place at the elite Harvard, Yales, Georgetowns, Princetons. Wow. Yeah. So that's the back door. Rick saw a gap here for mm. a side door because he's like, there's a lot of very rich parents who aren't donate $10 million rich, but mm. who are still very rich. Mm. And there's also parents who are donate $10 million rich, but who don't like the fact it's not guaranteed because you could donate $10 million, they build a wing, and then they're like, oh, sorry, there's no space. <laughs> so it's not guaranteed, which... Yeah rich, entitled people like that sense of control. Mm. And so Rick Singer said his side, tour, his side door into college was a guarantee. If you pay him, mm. your kid is guaranteed a spot at the college of their choosing. And here's how the side door worked. Mm. So Rick knew how all the athletic departments in these colleges worked because he was part of it all when he was going through college and then he was in the high school system. Mm -hmm. So sports like football, basketball are huge and get all the money. Mm -hmm. Football and basketball in U.S. colleges are like professional sports, basically. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of smaller, more niche sports that these universities offer just for like often the prestige of having them or just because they have to offer that kind of stuff that don't really get any funding except for donations or fundraising. So Mm -hmm. sports like sailing and rowing and water polo and Mm -hmm. soccer, which isn't very big in the US, 
The coaches in charge of these sports at these colleges are under a lot of pressure to bring in their own money mm-hmm. because the university's like, oh, you're not massive football. We don't care. Mm-hmm. And that's where Rick saw an opportunity. So he went to these coaches and basically promised them bribes. Mm-hmm. He said if they would help him get the kids he wanted into their college, he would give them money. So the head of Harvard Rowing, for example, every year will have a meeting with the admissions office and say, uh, here are 10 incredible rowing kids who are applying who are applying this year. Mm-hmm. I want to give them all places. Nine of those kids are legitimate rowing talent. One of them is just a, a random Rick Singer kid. And the admissions office don't know the difference. If the mm. coach comes to them and says, I want these kids to get into Harvard for rowing, the admissions office is like, you're the rowing coach. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. These kids are in. So um, that's kind of how he starts <laughs> setting it up. The kid's parent then pays Rick a fee. Mm. Rick keeps half of it and the other half is the bribe that goes to the coach. Now, all of the coaches but one kept the bribe for themselves and <gasps> even put it towards their sport. Oh. Only one coach put it back all back into his um, sport program and he ended up getting the least amount of uh, prison time out of anyone because right. he was the only one who did the sort of noble thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What sort of numbers are we talking here? <sighs> oh, I'll get to that. Okay. You mean like the dollar amount? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll tell you. It's a lot. Um, so Rick keeps half the fee, the other half goes to the coach, and that kid then comes to Harvard and just never joins the rowing team. Mm-hmm. They don't have to because the coach knows they're just a mm-hmm. they're just a fakey, a fake a fake rowing kid. Um, and so that's how it all happens on the college side of things. And a lot of coaches were involved, like at every major university in the US. He he had an in everywhere, mm-hmm. basically. And so now I'll explain how it happens on the parent side of things. Mm -hmm. So that's what's happening on the college end. On the parent end, I'll explain it using two of the most famous parents involved in this whole scandal, the actress Felicity Huffman Mm -hmm. and the actress Laurie Loughlin. So Rick tends to be recommended by word of mouth amongst rich people. Mm -hmm. They kind of all just know there's this guy who is an amazing college consultant, (laughs) but then when he comes to your house, you you know, you get down to what it's really all about. Mm -hmm. Um... Laurie Loughlin wanted to get her daughters into USC, the University of Southern California. Uh, it's the epitome of the college experience. It's um, funnily enough where O.J. Simpson went. Oh. It's a big football college. Mm-hmm. It's basically when you watch an American college in a movie, USC is it. Mm-hmm. Um, Laurie Loughlin and her husband, Mossimo Giannulli, the guy who, remember Mossimo? He invent, he's the Mossimo designer. Oh. Yeah, which apparently made him mega rich, like hundreds of millions rich. I can believe that. I it was, used to have it was, Mossimo oh, clothes. When we were teenagers, Mossimo was the shit. Mm. It was the coolest brand. Is it still around? I think it's kind of like a big W now. It's very oh. chain story. Oh, sad story. Yeah, anyway. N- not there's anything wrong with big dubs. Love big dubs. No, no. Love big W. You're right. Um... So Laurie Loughlin and her husband Mossimo, neither of them had gone to college, so they were the ones kind of pushing for their daughters um, to go to a proper, get a proper college experience. Their daughters, Bella and Olivia Jade, were both kind of influencers, more so Olivia Jade, who's the Mm. prettier one, had like millions of subscribers on her YouTube channel in, like she was still in high school and she would just do like makeup tips and she hung out with Jenners and... Mm. 
and you know, she basically made it very clear to her mum she didn't she didn't even want to finish high school. She didn't want to go to college. Mm. But both Laurie and Mossimo were to both their daughters, you are going to college and we're getting you in to USC. Um and it just it came back to bite her later because when she got busted having cheated her way in, there were so many videos of Olivia J just being like oh, my God, like, I hate it here at college, but my parents are making me go. And, like, I don't even want to go to class. Like, I guess I want to go to, like, game days and parties and stuff, but the rest I'm just like, ugh, my mom's making me do this. Right. I know, yeah. Worst, oh. worst. Not only did they cheat their way and they didn't even appreciate yeah. it. So Laurie and Mossimo hire Rick Singer to get both their daughters into college. He did it first with the older daughter, Bella. And he did such a good job that they hire him again for Olivia Jade. So he puts together applications making out like Bella and Olivia Jade are rowing stars, mm-hmm. uh, particularly as coxswains, you know, the one who sits at the end, doesn't stroke. actually row. Yeah, stroke, stroke. stroke. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in something else. That'll be good for our version of Wordle. Uh, yes. So, yeah, he basically said, oh, these girls are star coxswains on their rowing teams that they are definitely on. And he tells Laurie and Mossimo to get the girls to pose on, like, an exercise rowing machine Mm. to get some photos. So there's pictures of them training. And he then photoshops their faces onto photos of people rowing. (gasps) Like, this is how. (laughs) <laughs> this is how, like, base this whole thing is. So he photoshops their faces and all of that gets included in the application. Not that they need to trick the rowing coach. The rowing yeah. coach knows, but the rowing coach is like, look, if I'm taking this to the admissions office to cover our bases, Give me some receipts to show their them. application needs to look real. Um, so they put together this college application based on the two of them being champion coxswains on rowing teams Mm -hmm. with Photoshop pictures and everything and the coach accepts the bribe from Rick Singer and puts them on the list to be admitted and Bella and Olivia Jade, a couple years apart, both get into USC as rowing recruits but then just never turn up to row. They Mm -hmm. just never do it. Um, Laurie Laughlin and Massimo Giannulli paid (gasps) $500,000. So that's what they paid. Total to get both their daughters into USC. So Rick Singer gets a big chunk of that Mm -hmm. and the rest goes to whatever dodgy coach he is paying. Uh So this is a lot of money. Because then they've got to actually pay the tuition. Yeah. On top also, of that as well. tuition is hundreds, like what, a hundred and something, whatever, thousand dollars a year mm. with board and whatever. So this is a lot of money. And there was a really sad interview on um the, again, the Gangster Capitalism podcast, which I really recommend everyone go and listen to. It's like a six episodes. This guy really goes into it. And he interviewed this woman who ran a rowing program just in the community. Mm. And there was this girl who was, you know, pretty underprivileged, came from a poor neighbourhood, single mother, loved rowing, would get up at 4am every day, row till 8am, go to school, row in the afternoons, work on the weekend, row on Saturdays and Sundays after she'd finished. And she was in the car with this woman one day when they heard about this and she was hoping to get into the USC rowing team and she Mm. was like, I'm never going to get in, am I? Like I'm just, it doesn't matter how hard you work. And she, the woman said, I just sat to tell her, like, probably not. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not fair. I mean, the thing that people forget in all of this, they laugh about it, is, like, it's not a victimless crime because for every spot one of these kids get, 
that's a spot taken away from a kid who really effing deserves it. Yeah. It's really shitty. Mm-hmm. Like you say, that spot could make such a huge difference yeah. to their life from that point onwards. Yeah. And they've worked really hard to get it. Yeah. And it's been taken away from, from them, them by someone who's got the cash. Yeah, exactly. It's it's bullshit. Um, and a lot of people say in this, like, you can't get mad at the kids because, you know, it's not their fault what their parents were doing and a lot of the kids didn't know. But some of the kids did know. Like, mm. Bella and Olivia Jade posed for photos. Mm-hmm. They knew they weren't rowers. They knew. And um, the great thing about this whole case is because Rick Singer eventually flips and records a bunch of conversations and emails and stuff, um, there's a whole bunch of stuff with Laurie Laughlin talking about how the counsellor at Bella and Olivia Jade's high school starts to get suspicious because he's like, how did the two of these girls get into USC? Like, mm. their average is F. Mm. And so he finds out that they got in for rowing and he starts sniffing around and and Laurie's like, you know, Olivia Jade's getting really nervous about what she's meant to say. Of course that they knew. Mm-hmm. Like, so some of them did know. Get effed. I mean, there were other kids who, like, literally had po- their parents had put them in the pool and fully made them pose as water polo play. Like, they were staging whole photos. You can't say that those kids didn't know. I'm not saying it's their fault. I mean, you just do what your parents tell you to. But anyway, um, some kids, though, actually didn't know what's going on. Mm. And here's where we talk about Felicity Huffman. So what Laurie Laughlin did with her kids was straight up the full package. You get admission to the university of Mm -hmm. your choosing. But Rick offers other services. Mm -hmm. And another service he offers is for kids who have a good enough application to get in to wherever they want to go, but they're worried they won't do well enough on the SAT or the ACT test. Mm -hmm. And even if your application is amazing, if you don't get above a certain score on those tests, you just don't get in Mm -hmm. to your chosen college. Um... So Felicity Huffman also has two daughters and she was worried that they wouldn't get the test score they needed and she heard that Rick has a guaranteed test score service Mm -hmm. that he offers. Basically, Rick has a guy on staff who is a genius test taker. He was a lawyer uh, at this point, but he had tutored kids in SAT all through college and in ACT all through college. Mm. He was just someone who literally you could say, I want 98% and he could get exactly that. Like he knew the test that well. So Rick needed this guy to be able to take the test for these kids. And Mm. here's how they'd do it. He'd say to the parents, get your kid a medical exemption that says they need extra time and they get to do the test in a private room, which mm-hmm. is something you could do here. Like I remember um, my boyfriend in high school had ADHD, so he got to take all his exams in a room with a proctor watching, like on mm-hmm. his own. Mm-hmm. So Rick was like, just get a medical exemption, which rich people can get anything, and um, we need you to do that so we can say that your kid needs to take the test they get as much time as they need and they take it alone, mm-hmm. not with everyone else in mm-hmm. a big hall. Once they get that medical exemption, Rick's genius test taker is a qualified proctor. So he's the proctor in the room with mm-hmm. the kid taking the test. And so the kid sits there, takes the SAT or the ACT, but here's the thing. They give the kid a fake answer sheet so the kid does the test, fills out all their multiple choice answers, think, mm-hmm. thinks they've done it. They leave the room. The genius test taker then throws their answer sheet away, pulls out the real answer sheet, fills in all the 
proper answers and hands in that as their test. So the kid gets the results back a few weeks later and is like, oh, my God, I aced the test. I thought I did so bad, but look, I got 98%. And that's because their parents haven't told them that they paid someone to take the test for you after you left the room. Like this is how entitled and rich and spoiled these kids are. Their parents are cheating for them, but they don't even want them to know they're cheating for them. Wow. They want their kids to think that they earned the test result themselves. They are wrapped in cotton wool. Yes. Yes. Gold-plated cotton wool. Yeah. And how much money did that cost? So this is what Felicity Huffman did for her older daughter. She paid Rick Singer $15,000. That's Uh what that service costs. Here's the thing, though. Um, She had been really unsure about it and, and felt like she was really shocked and overwhelmed by how crazy and intense the college admissions process is and she hired Rick as a legitimate consultant mm. and Rick said to her your daughter's scores are not high enough she's not she's not going to get in mm. and Felicity didn't realize that actually he was lying it came out later <gasps> that every practice test her daughter had done she had aced <gasps> she didn't need it so he was also manipulating people He's a good business to get man. money that you know mm. she didn't need to do it so she paid for her first daughter to get it and then when it came to her second daughter, she had felt weird about this, all of it the whole time and he was trying to pressure her into doing it for her second daughter too and she was like, you know what, I wish I'd never done it in the first place. No. So mm. that was she just did that one thing for her first daughter. So those are the two ways he would fund, fudge the system, through the dodgy fake sports entry mm-hmm. um, and through cheating on the test. Mm. And some people did both. Some people needed both those services. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like about, in the end, 750 families over quite a few years. It was high-profile CEOs, mm-hmm. bankers, lawyers, celebrities, like uh, really high-profile wealthy people. And do you want to know the cherry on top? This drives me crazy. So Rick has it all set up so that when these people pay the bribe, mm-hmm. the money, he gets them to make it out to a nonprofit foundation that he's set up. And he says it's like, you know, a foundation to help underprivileged kids get an education or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a scam. The foundation is purely a front for these people to just mm-hmm. put the money into so then he can pay the bribes to the universities. But because it's a foundation and it's not for profit, the money that all these parents pay into it is considered a tax deductible donation. <laughs> So not only are they doing this and cheating, They're all the money they charity. pay, they get it back anyway. <laughs> they get it back in their tax return anyway. So who ends up paying for that? Poor people who actually pay their taxes. Yeah. The taxpayer ends <gasps> up paying for this. Oh. They don't even technically pay for it. They get it back in their taxes. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't that make you want to punch someone? These people are These so selfish. People. And there's so many recordings of them on the phone just laughing. Like, I can't, oh, tax deductible donation. Can't believe we're getting away with this. Like, just laughing about it. Eat the rich. Eat the rich. It's time. Eat the rich. Okay, so it all comes crashing down because one guy who was an investment back banker who had used Rick's side door to get his kid into college, got arrested by the FBI for insider trading just on a totally separate charge. Mm. And-
And because rich white people are terrified of getting in trouble, he was like, wait, I can give you this other guy who's doing this dodgy thing mm. um, to, if you give me a lesser sentence. And so this guy basically dobbed him in because he was in trouble for something else. Mm-hmm. So he tells the FBI about Rick Singer and they see all the incredibly rich, high-profile people involved and they're like, yeah, okay, that's a pretty good tip. So they tap Rick's phone and they pretty much get him within less than an hour, Mm -hmm. they hear him setting up some dodgy bribe. Mm -hmm. They arrest him. He flips immediately. He's just like, I will give up anyone in exchange for leniency. Mm -hmm. I have no loyalty to any of these people. Mm -hmm. So for the next few months, they basically get him on the phone trying to lock down confessions from every parent, coach, that he's ever dealt with. And they set up this ruse. So he calls all his previous major clients and says, look, um, my foundation's getting audited by the Mm -hmm. tax office. Mm -hmm. Nothing to worry about. I'm just calling you to let you know that if they call you to ask about your donation, don't freak out. Mm -hmm. Totally legitimate. Like, it looks like you just gave me money for like a donation. And then he's like, It's not about how I helped you pretend Olivia Jade was a rower to get her into college. Remember how we did that? And all the people are like, oh, yeah, I totally remember that. Yeah, okay, I just won't mention that. And it was funny that the guy in the um, documentary Operation Varsity Blues, uh, I think he was an FBI agent, he said, it is unbelievable what entitled rich white people will admit on the phone Mm. because they do not ever consider the possibility that they could get in trouble or be held accountable. He was like... The way Rick was doing it was so obvious. Mm. It was like, it's definitely not about the time we posed those water polo photos and did you remember when we did the thing? And the parents were like, yeah. Um, This FBI guy was like, if he was on the phone with like a member of the mafia, they would hang up in 10 seconds. It was so obvious that he was trapping all of these people. The arrogance that comes with privilege. The arrogance that comes with privilege. So once Rick has tricked enough people into confessing over the phone, mm. uh, the FBI, as part of what they call Operation Varsity Blues, which mm-hmm. is why the documentary is called that, do a simultaneous mass arrest so that nobody has time to call anybody or just like mm-hmm. early in the morning across the country in 2019, they arrest 53 parents and coaches. And it's like an international news explosion. Like remember mm. when this hit the news and everyone was just like, F you guys. Very, very vaguely. <laughs> oh, yeah, because yeah. you were like full-time I was so work. switched off the news That's at that right. point, yeah. It was a big story, mm. particularly with Laurie Laughlin and Felicity Huffman. Mm. And there was like quite high-profile business people, like the woman who is the, <laughs> so much like the toast, uh, Gretchen Wieners being the toaster strudel heiress, the woman <laughs> who's the Hot Pockets heiress. <laughs> she had got her kids into college. Like just a whole bunch of people like that, you know, were all involved. Um, and so the wider public is furious because, you know, everybody loves to hate on rich, entitled people being entitled and then getting their comeuppance. Mm. And they did take those places away from kids who had worked hard for them. Like in the documentary, they have these videos of it's this thing in the US, kids film themselves um, opening up their acceptance or rejection mm. email and they show a whole bunch of kids bursting into tears because mm. they haven't got into their college. And they interview a bunch of kids who worked their asses off and didn't get into college and they talk about how awful it was and mm. um, just like how 
how shitty it is to see that like it didn't matter what I did. Why yeah. why did I bother working hard for four years or whatever? I wasn't going to get in anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like it's such um, bullshit. And it was also really huge in the news at the time because um, it there was quite a famous story uh, at the time of a black woman who was sent to prison for five years because she had put her father's address on her primary school aged kids school form so she could get them into a school in a slightly better district mm. and she got charged with fraud and sent to jail for five years. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so people, and she literally was just like, they stay at my dad's all the time anyway. It was a slightly better school. I didn't think anything of it. And they were like, how dare you try and rot the education system? Five years prison for you. So this woman had been through that and when this story came out, she was interviewed saying like, what the hell? These people better get punished. That is evil. Yeah. Five years. Yeah. None of them ended up getting that long, by the way, but they did get punished. Like, this was not a white-collar crime that people weren't going to get punished for because of stories like that yeah, yeah. and because of how high-profile it was and because of it, 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 touched a, it touched a cultural nerve at mm. the time. People were furious. And so I think it was um, impossible for the judge involved to not do prison time in mm. the punishments. I think if it hadn't been such a high-profile case a lot of these people probably wouldn't have got prison time, yeah, right. but they needed to make an example of them. So um, virtually every parent involved and some of the coaches involved got prison time for, like, they charged them with, like, mail fraud, like, lying on your forms and stuff. Like, I don't know, they got charged. Mm. The lowest um, sentence was for that coach who took the money to put back into his school. Mm. He got given one day, which was time served, the day he got arrested. and um, But he, like, was on house arrest for, like, a year and mm. kind of ruined his life. Um, Felicity Huffman got the next lowest. She got two weeks, which she served, and she had to do, like, you know, a couple hundred hours of community service and pay a fine. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the more egregious, like, banker lawyer types got uh, about a year. Mm-hmm. Laurie Laughlin got two months. Her mm-hmm. husband got five months. Um, Rick Singer uh, has been free this whole time because Mm -hmm. he's the main witness against all these people. So he can't be tried and sentenced until the last person has themselves been sentenced. Mm -hmm. And the last person is going to be sentenced in April of this year. Uh So he's been free the whole time. There's like you can find footage of him swimming at the beach, living it up, having a good life. Mm -hmm. And from a bunch of the experts I've read have said they think he probably won't get prison time because of how much he cooperated and because of how many arrests um, came about because of the information he gave. So he's probably going to get a very big fine. He'll probably get some home confinement, but they doubt he'll go to prison. Are they taking all this money away from him? Good question. I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, they he they legitimately paid him for a service. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't... I don't know. I mean, over the years, um, like I said before, it was 750 families and they think about $25 million of money exchanging hands. Wow, and he wasn't paying bulk tax of, on any of that. Yeah, bulk of They'll which went to him. For sure. So, um, 
Yeah. Uh, Olivia Jade and Bella Giannulli were both kicked out of USC. I can't really find a lot of info on the other kids, which I think is good mm. because I don't think we should know. I read that, like, um, quite a few of the universities um, – uh, took it by a case-by-case basis. Like if some of the kids had already been to and finished university, so mm. you can't really rescind their degree if they did the work once they got there. Mm. A lot of the universities kicked the kids out who'd done the more egregious like posing in sports they never played. Mm. But some of the kids who had no idea that their, like, their parents had faked their SAT for them, they just thought they'd done really well on their test. Mm. Some of those kids like were allowed to stay. But, yeah, I couldn't find a whole bunch of information, which I think is good because even if they were in on it, their parents drove that bus and they were 17 at the time yeah. and, you know, you wouldn't want it to ruin their lives. Parents made like the it. choice. The parents made yeah. the crime. Yeah. It sucks. I mean, they're in, they're rich and they're privileged and they're entitled and it's awful and it's awful watching videos of Olivia Jade complain about how much she hates going to uni mm. when there would, would have been a kid desperate for that place. But, I mean, not all the kids were that shitty. Yeah. They were just kids whose parents got them involved in something they had no control over. Oh. And if they took advantage of the opportunity they were then given and did well, something yeah. good with it. Hopefully then... they did. I mean, we don't know. I'd say a lot of those rich snooty kids probably didn't, but some of them did. Um, yeah, and so I guess in April we'll see whether or not Rick Singer actually gets any kind of significant punishment. But as it stands, that's where it all ended up. And the just to clarify on the numbers, he's dobbed in all 750 of the families? No, he only dobbed in the people who he'd like kind of currently... The most recent, most recent ones, right. yeah. So it was 53 people altogether he uh-huh. dobbed in, um, parents and coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the system is still pretty effed, though. It's still very elitist. All the universities were like, oh, we can't believe this has happened. And, we, you know, we we are shocked and appalled. But it's like, but you still have majority 95% white students from rich neighbourhoods, mm-hmm. even if you are letting them all in legitimately. So the system is kind of broken anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A system that's that flawed, of course people are going to exploit the flaws Mm. in it and not feel bad about it. And Rick Singer would not be operating in a vacuum. There's no way he's the only person doing this. (laughs) And the backdoor option still exists. You can still, like, in um, the Gangster Capitalist capitalism podcast, he interviews a woman who used to be an admissions officer, I think at Yale, and she literally went through a list of what money could buy you, like $250,000 donation. Yeah, you'll get like a personalized tour of Yale. You'll get given a whole bunch of merch and you'll be guaranteed that your um, application will be flagged. Like, and then he was like, what about a million? She's like, a million would definitely get you a couple of days at the university. You'd probably meet, like, some important high-up professors. Um, Your application would probably go before, like, a special committee of, like, special applications. And he was like, what about 10 million? And she's like, that's where you're probably, unless you are illiterate, Actually, maybe if you are illiterate, you're getting a spot. Like, you know, she <laughs> yeah. literally went through and mm. said that's that's how it works and the system's really broken. And the problem is as long as it is like that, it, 
the only reason all these people did this is because Rick Singer told them, if you don't do this, your kid won't get in. Mm. So everyone thinks, well, um, the system's really crap and the only way I can make guarantee my child gets into university is if I do this dodgy thing, but I'm the only one doing it, so it's okay. But then if everybody thinks they're the only one doing it, mm. then the whole system becomes corrupt and, and ridiculous. Totally, yeah. So it's kind of maybe it is best to do it the way we do it here where it's just a number, blind marking, Mm -hmm. and that's it. I don't know. It's just a very different culture over there. Yes. It's a very different culture. It's a a different business model. I mean, it is. I mean, but even university is often people don't like to admit but quite a ripoff. I mean, Mm. like I was talking to Caleb last night because Caleb didn't go to uni. He's kind of against it. He thinks it's dumb. (laughs) He's like, go if you need to be, if you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer. But like he started a journalism cadetship when he was 16, so Mm. he just never needed to go. But um, you and I think our degree was a joke and a waste of money. Oh, yeah. You and I paid, what, 18 grand for three years of nonsense. We didn't need it. Yeah. Um, and they say that things like uh, prof- like professional academia is the only respectable pyramid scheme in the world because you pay a lot of money to go through university, mm-hmm. you pay a lot of money to get your PhD, you pay a lot of money to do your, like, uh, what do you call it, dissertation, and then you are then a professor who then just charges the people below you to come Mm. up and do the same thing. That's Mm. a pyramid scheme. It totally is. You're not contributing anything to wider society. It is literally just money staying within that university. That's it. And you are dependent. If you go up and become a professor, your job is dependent on you bringing in more enrollments, more Mm. people to pay to go up and become professors. It's a pyramid scheme, man. And then do you know much about how the whole system here pretty much fell over during COVID when we closed the borders and we couldn't mm. have international students because our unis had become so reliant on the cash they were charging? Yeah, because they charge we charge international students full fee, upfront mm. money, and we were effed when they couldn't come here during COVID. So there were mass layoffs mm. in all of our All of universities. our universities, and yeah. It, they nearly crumbled. I just think there is this bizarre... Here as well, here and in the US, I think in the US more because it's like an experience, Mm. a coming of age experience here, I think because there's just this attitude of if you don't go to uni, you'll never get a good job. And that's just not true. Like I remember at when I was working at Mamma Mia, which was a very in-demand job at the time to, you know, work at a major women's media corporation, um, Mia and I one day were walking to ABC, which is right near UTS, and I looked over and I said, oh, that's my uni. And she went, I didn't know you went to uni. (laughs) She didn't even care. Like, you know what I mean? There's different – uni isn't for everyone. Mm. If it's for you, great. But there are so many other things you can do. And I think people in high school think – when you're in year 12, it's like I have to go to uni and you have to study one of, like, four things – law, medicine, arts, journalism, like – Science, like you, teaching. Mm. There's, there is a big, wide world out there filled with gazillions of jobs you haven't even heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, podcasting didn't even exist when we were in year 12. Mm. This was a career we could not have conceived of. Uh-huh. So true. Such a good point. And look, the other thing, I always say this to youths. Youths. As they're coming through the high school system, 
whatever you do, take at least a year off yeah. after you finish high school. Don't go straight to university just I because did, it's and what it was everyone a else did. We both Same. did. Yeah. Yes, and I did the first expensive year of a mm. degree and the only reason I did it, I actually hadn't even sent in my application to yeah. go to uni. My mum had done it for me because oh, really? she was like, you're going to regret it if you don't. Yeah. Let's just send it in and see what you get offered. Yeah. And I got offered a Bachelor of Media degree and then because all of my friends were going to uni, I was yeah. like, well, I don't want to be the only one who's not. Mm. So I went, hated it. Well, same. I remember... Um you know, because it was such a big deal that my uncle had plucked me out of child abuse oblivion and sent me to this very expensive fancy boarding school and it was like because I was going to go to uni, Mm. Rosie was going to go to uni and it was never really like what is Rosie going to study? It was just go to uni Mm. and I um, had applied just for arts at Sydney. It had to be Sydney because that's where my uncle went so I really wanted to go where my uncle had gone. And then when I got my score back and it was way higher than what I was expecting, I changed it to my preference to something just because it was a matched my higher score. Mm. So I changed my preference to psychology just because it was what I could get into. And I hated it. I left uni after like a month. I stopped going to classes after a month and Mm. I probably admitted to my uncle about two months later. That I hadn't been, because I was so depressed, I hated it, and I took a year off and realised I wanted to go to drama school. you got to take some time to figure out what you really want to do. And drama school was the funnest, bestest thing, one of the best times of my life. It was the best thing I could have possibly done at that point. It's where I met you. It was, I never would have considered, when you're in year 12 doing your HSC, they're not saying go to drama school next year. They're saying go to university. And I was absolutely not meant to be at university straight out of high school. Mm. A lot of people aren't. And it's fine to realise maybe you never are. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different things you can do now. I just, there's so much pressure. The pressure when you're in your final couple years of high school is insane. Yes. Oh, so true. Anyway, that was just the gist of the uh, 2019 college admission scandal. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. So, all right, my questions are about Laurie Laughlin and Felicity Huffman uh-huh. since that's happened. Did they, have they just stayed in the shadows since Kind then? of. Olivia Jade um, sort of went into hiding and it's just made her more famous, to be honest. Mm. She's out back back with an influencing vengeance now. Um Laurie Laughlin was in a romantic Christmas movie at the end of last year, like one of those straight-to-TV Hallmark channel. And Felicity Huffman, I think, had more sympathy than most anyway because Mm. she was the first to – she was probably the first person to um, plead guilty, Uh whereas Laurie Laughlin and Mossimo – were really indignant and were, like, pleading not guilty for, like, mm. a year. And then when they saw Laurie Laughlin got sent to prison, they were like, shit. Because <laughs> there's just so many recordings. Like, uh. it's so fascinating in the podcast and the documentary, like, all the recordings of the conversation are just so incriminating. Mm. Like, not just doing the act itself, but gloating about it and thinking mm. it's funny. And um, But, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's... It will never not be something people associate with them, but, yeah, they're largely out of it now. Everyone was like, well, they went to prison. Mm. Two weeks. 
Yeah, that's nothing. I can't get past the woman who went to prison for five years. Yes. That's so wrong. Yes. And she was interviewed widely when this happened. Like, mm. what the hell? I mean, it's racism, it's classism, yeah. it's 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 all kinds of things. But um, it, that was a thing that at the time people were like, they cannot not go to prison for mm. this. So I think a few of them got token prison sentences. I mean, some of them, a couple of them got about a year. Mm. Still a slap on the wrist. Yeah. What about Felicity Huffman's husband is a famous actor as well, William right? H. Macy, yeah. Did he face any consequences? No, because it was just her. I'm sure he knew. Of course he would But have. she was the only one implicated. Right, and she didn't drag him down with no. her. Is he still active? Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's uh, Shameless just finished the big show he was the star of. He's nominated for Emmys galore. He's William H. Macy. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wow. Mm. I mean, Felicity Huffman, people with her have the sympathy they have is that there is so much pressure on these parents to navigate this system that some of them get a little bamboozled into thinking, well, all the other parents are doing it and if I don't do it, my kid doesn't have a chance. And so that's the kind of rhetoric around the sympathy people have for her. And so I guess... That has trickled onto some of the others That's as well. That's the Lance Armstrong I know, argument. But it's also, Everyone else was taking drugs, so I had I to know. as well. Otherwise, I'd be at a disadvantage. It's, exactly. So it's like, yeah, but you still took that place yeah. from a kid who deserved it. If mm-hmm. your kid, like, if your kid was going to do the test then and do well on it, then good. But, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that story about uh, so white welcome. privilege. Yeah. Um, all the privilege, all of the privilege the arrogance of all that of comes the kinds. Mm. Yeah. Oofed. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, Canberra, see you at the show. Oh, will we have another episode out before then? I can't remember. Nope. I have no concept of time. No, we will be recording an episode but, between now and then, but the episode will drop on Friday, which is the day of our second Canberra show, which is oh. sold out. You can't get tickets to that anymore. So come to the Thursday show, Canberra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, there are still tickets to the Thursday Canberra show. Yes. Friday sold out, mm-hmm. but come on the Thursday. Yeah. Because you could see a dance numbered car crash disaster. <laughs> so that's what you're getting. That's <laughs> that's the, um, the maybe promise. We'll see. Depends how much Jacob makes me practice the next week. Yeah. Okay. We're going to get into it. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Listener.